0: Episode 375 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek Kim Cook. I want to welcome you to this week's show. This week's show is special. Why? Because it is time to announce the nominees for this year's Monster Rally Retro Awards, or we like to call it the rallies around here. The rallies honor the best in genre cinema. We look at the best actor, actress, actress, director, movie, and monster. And every year, we cover three years. And we are now up to 1934, 44, and 54. Who's going to go through the ballot with me as we check out the best in genre cinema of these years? None other than Stephen D. Sullivan, the author, the man behind the idea of doing these three years in a row, one from each decade. Otherwise, we'd be sitting here doing the Monster Kid Rally Awards forever. I'm glad that Steve came up with the idea, and it means that I get to have Steve on the show every single time we do the nominees and the winners, which we'll announce later this year. Because we're announcing the nominees, and because by the time you guys and gals hear this, I'm going to be on my way to Monster Bash, meaning I'll be up in the air without any Wi-Fi on a plane somewhere between here and Mars, Pennsylvania. That's all you're getting this week. That's all this episode is, but... You know, I say it's all, but it really is a lot because Steve and I have a great conversation. We touch on every film, actor and actress we mention while we discuss the ballot, while we discuss the nominees. It's a fun conversation and I'm eager to get to it. We're going to do that. And we're going to do that right now. Fine, I'll start. I've got the ballot done. We want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't
1: anticipate i thought i was going to be really surprised with what you have but now i've participated so maybe it won't
0: well there's still some surprises sure here listeners i'm talking to Stephen d sullivan the man uh one of my dearest friends somebody who's been on monster kid radio a lot but not enough how you doing sir i'm doing
1: really well how are you doing this fine morning <laughs>
0: Well, I'm doing great now that the ballot's finished.
1: Yay! The ballot is finished. We can have the rallies. Or we can have the, That's right. the nominations for the rallies, which then That's right. the fans of Monster Kid Radio and the Monster Conservancy will vote on, right?
0: That's right. So Steve just mentioned two words there that I've never mentioned on the show before. Let's talk briefly about the Monster Conservancy. It's a group that, that's pretty important when it comes to what Steve and I do, and and really helps shape the balance. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a a group of of our fellow Monster Kids and creators that uh, we turn to when we when we need stuff, when we need advice, or camaraderie and that kind of stuff. And uh, at this point, we're going to be opening it up with a Facebook group for fans of classic monsters. The Monster Conservancy, founded in 1818, the year Frankenstein was born. So this is a perfect year, year (laughs) 200-year anniversary of the Monster Conservancy. Those who love classic monsters and want to conserve them so that there are always classic monsters in the future. Go to Facebook and join the Monster Conservancy fan page, which you'll be able to find through Monster Kid Radio.
0: Right, we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, and uh, I mean, I'm a proud member of the Conservancy, as is Steve, and there's some others. I don't know if we need to name them. Yeah, I don't don't know if we'll out
1: them yet, but
0: (laughs) yeah. Uh, we have you know places online that we converse and talk about these things and kind of collaborate a little bit when we can and that sort of thing. It's kind of like a, a cross between a trade organization and a really cool secret club. So <laughs>
1: it's not very secret anymore, but that's all right. Yeah, not
0: very secret, and we still don't have a handshake, but still, no. you know, we have buttons. <laughs> we, we do have buttons. We do have. And we buttons. have a
1: logo. That's all we need we're ready.
0: Yes, which uh, Steve put together inspired by one of the coolest monster movie monster designs uh, that we've talked about here on the show on yeah, the Yeah, do we want to give
1: that away or do we want to make people go and see it?
0: I think people need to go to the Facebook page and check yeah, it out. Yeah, and I'm
1: glad that I've won you over to my side on in terms of that uh, that monster and a cool design. So
0: Hey man, I I was always on. I love that monster, man. I, I know it wasn't. I just hadn't seen the movie before. You know, That's one awesome. of those
1: monsters that people haven't seen the movie and stuff, and they may know it from other other spots. But when they see the movie, they're either of the opinion, "Wow, that was insanely cool," or "Wow, that was insanely cheap." And I'm from the "Wow, that was insanely cool" school. So there you go.
0: I don't think they are mutually exclusive. No. I don't care if it's cheap; it's still right. Cool. Well, I,
1: I mean, we've got. <laughs> Two very good friends, Christopher R. M. and Joshua Kennedy, that are making amazingly cheap movies that are amazingly cool.
0: For people who are just joining us this year, we honor the best in genre cinema of the past, typically looking at three years. And because Steve is the genius that helped me figure <laughs> out how not to make this thing go on for 30 years, as much as I'd love to do Monster Kid Radio for 30 years, I think. Uh, <laughs> You're a your strong, strong uh, he, start so far. Yes, yeah. So every year we we visit the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, and this is the fourth year. No, third year. One, two, three. Fourth year. year. (laughs) (laughs) I've only had half a cup of coffee so far this morning, listeners. Uh, Yeah, so this is the fourth year, so we are honoring 1934, 44, and 54 with five categories, five awards, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Movie, Best Director, and because we're Monster Kid Radio, Best Monster. We probably could have diversified and added a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm a film score guy, so I could have talked music, but you know, I wanted to keep it simple, manageable, Amen. and fun. Like I said, Steve was the one who helped come up with the way to do this. So, as far as I'm concerned, every year we do this, Steve's involved, <laughs> Steve's on board. <laughs> but <so. laughs> all I
1: really did was suggest that you do the three decades all at once, which made it a lot of fun, actually.
0: Putting them all together like this has kind of opened my eyes to, to, uh, you know, what might have been happening in the studio, what might have been happening worldwide I mean, 44 is like World War II's wrapped up and, you know, things are you know, in the 30s. Money. Anyway, we could talk cultural stuff for hours, but that's not why people are here nope. right now. They're here for the ballot. And the monsters. And the monsters. Yeah. And and then maybe Steve. And then, you know, I'm I'm kind of down there on the bottom. But yeah, let's do this. (laughs) We're going to start with 1934. And we're going to start with Best Actor. And I've got a list here. Now, Steve did help compile some of this because he's part of the Conservancy. And uh, we actually kind of pow out a little bit before we started recording. But I
1: don't actually know what's on the ballot. Yeah. No, he
0: doesn't. He doesn't know everything yet. So. All right. Uh, by the time the ballot goes live, it will be in alphabetical order. But right now, probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, half a cup of coffee. Yeah, and I this don't is want to what happens when you so, finish
1: the list 10 minutes before you start recording.
0: Right? Hey. <laughs> but that's all
1: right. It's still a great list. I am sure, though I don't really know what's on it yet.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I'm sure you can guess one of them. Best Actors from 1934. The nominees are... Ed Lowry from House of Mystery. Ooh, interesting. Yeah.
1: It's kind of a standard old dark house mystery in a way with a little bit of Hindu mysticism and a a killer ape thrown in.
0: And Ed Lowry is the insurance salesman who is always trying to get people to buy a policy, which is fun.
1: Especially as they're all dying off. Yeah. (laughs) There's a challenge. There we
0: go. Here we go. The next two names on the ballot are from the same film. We got Karloff and Lugosi from The Black Cat.
1: Wow. (laughs) If you haven't seen The Black Cat... Stop listening to this right now. (laughs) Go Find the black cat and watch the black cat. The black cat is one of the great horror movies of all time, featuring two of the greatest performances by the great actors in it, Karloff and Lugosi as implacable foes with Karloff being astonishingly evil and Lugosi being the good guy. But the good guy with flaws.
0: I'll say, especially at the end.
1: (laughs) Some people have even called him an anti-hero. But I always feel for Lugosi in this. Honestly, this is one of the best performances of Karloff's career. And it's one of the best performances of Lugosi's career. So good luck choosing between them. But there are at least two more people on this ballot. Yes, two, (laughs) two more. Maybe we can see who they are.
0: So we have Jack Holt from Black Moon.
1: He's the hero of Black Moon, the mm-hmm. voodoo tale, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is an underseen movie, and I've, I've seen it a couple of times. You probably should watch it again.
0: Yeah, I think it's on DVD. I don't think it's had much of a push.
1: TCM plays it every now and again, which is how I've seen it in have
0: it's, it's, it's a decent film. It moves a little slow during the first half for me, but overall, I mean, I think it's still pretty a solid flick.
1: This is, seems to be a weird year, 34, in terms that there are a number of the films here, and Black Cat is not one of them, that – start off really kind of slowly. And then the last chunk of it is really, really good, but getting there can be kind of a snooze. So, and I, black moon falls a little bit into that category. I think
0: exactly. It's certainly
1: stronger produced than a lot of this stuff that we should mention right now. 34 is kind of thin in spots and monster movies specifically. It's, it's from the end of the the pre-code era and the start of the code era So I don't know if that has something to do with it. It probably does. The fact that they were kind of cracking down on traditional horror and sex and everything else that was really interesting in the movies up until then. Um, So that probably has something to do with it. It's it's hard to say because obviously it's, you know, a long, long time ago now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So so, uh, research may be a little thin. And finally, the fifth nominee is a guy who played Death. Frederick March in Death Takes a Holiday. Which is a
1: fine fantasy tale with, and anytime you have someone playing death, there's a tinge of horror there, I'm oh, sure, right?
0: sure. Yeah, you can't get away from it. And March is a great
1: actor, no question about that.
0: So those are your actors. For Best Actress, we're going to kick it off with another actress from House of Mystery. We're going to talk about uh, nominating Mary Foy. Now, she is the wife of the old doddering professor in that, and he keeps smacking him around and, and not putting up with him, and I just find her charming
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of an interesting little film i mean the the hindu revenge picture aspect of it and the and the ape in it make it a cut above the other really low budget films from that year and there there are more low budget horror movies than a class horror movies from from 1934 for sure
0: Okay now this is a movie that I have not seen but uh, at least two other members of the conservancy recommended Mary Morris from Double Door.
1: I could not I tried to see that and I could not manage to find a way to see that quickly in the the time frame involved. Over the last week I think I've watched five or six films from 1934 maybe mm-hmm. and checked out another one that I'd seen before just to make sure I remembered what it was about and that is one of the ones I could not see so we're going to have to take it on faith from our conservancy members, that that's a good choice there. Yes.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, okay, the tagline in IMDb. (laughs) Um, In a spooky New York City mansion, a wealthy but mean old woman threatens to return her sister to the home's secret torture chamber.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a it's, it's a, a great description. And it may sound way cooler than it actually turns out to be, but Boy, I do want to see Double Door.
0: Yeah, and Mary Morris, I believe this might have been her only film role. She's primarily a Broadway and stage actress, so interest. Yeah, I'd like to see that myself. Well,
1: it's another reason to try to see it. As I said, it's it's tricky to see.
0: All right, third on the list, we're going to go back to Black Moon with Fay Ray. You know who's been on the the ballot in previous years because it's Fay Wray. <laughs> hey, Ray. Fay <laughs> Ray.
1: You know if this is her wheelhouse again. You know when she was doing a lot of great films and. Honestly, I'm not sure I've ever seen. She's one of these people like she's kind of the queen of horror. She's like Karloff and Lugosi. I don't know if I've ever seen her give a bad performance. Yeah, She just came in and she brought it every time. She's uh, she's amazing. And she's one of the reasons to watch Black Moon for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Fourth nominee here. This is where things start to get a little international and I may mispronounce the names. Marta Roel? Roel? Royal? Uh,
1: I'd guess Marta, Marta Roel. Okay. Which is from Phantom of the Convent, which is another film that I was not able to find to watch.
0: El Fantasma del Convento. Was the- El Fantasma del Convento. Sounds good to me. That's pretty close. It is a spooky little movie. It's very well made. I was very surprised when I watched it just recently. Uh, it is out there if you look for it uh it's subtitled spanish it's, it's from mexico
1: the only one i saw was unsubtitled and i almost decided i was going to give it a shot because i was quite good at spanish but that was 40 years ago
0: so all right then finally uh this is a name that steve actually helped me put on the ballot this morning uh may stewart from Beast of borneo
1: she is the assistant to the evil doctor in Beast of Borneo. And and what I liked about her is that she's got some agency in the film. She actually turns on him, refuses to do the immoral things that he wants to do once out in the jungle and actually, and of course, you know, it's 1934, so she falls for the handsome white hunter jungle hero and that kind of stuff. But the, the point is she has some agency. She has a character and she ends up on the right side. That makes her kind of a cut above the, the window dressing that a lot of characters were, mm-hmm. female characters were, in a lot of genre pictures in 1934.
0: Yep. Shall we move on to Best Director? Sure. Okay. Now, of course, we got to have Edgar G. Ulmer on the ballot for The Black Cat, probably his most prestigious film. And there are a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes with him and how he fell from grace with a lot of the studio heads. But this is such a solid picture. Uh, the, the lighting, the camera movement, the production design, the, just everything about this movie. I feel like everything that's good, save some of the performances, comes from Edgar Ulmer.
1: The performances, the lighting, the set design, all that kind of stuff, is just, some of it's astonishing. But the yeah. what makes it all work is Ulmer's guiding hand and his sense of weird horror and creepiness. There is stuff in the Black Cat that if it doesn't make you go ah, then you're not paying enough attention. <laughs> <laughs> Cause boy, oh just I'm shivering just thinking about some of the some of the story elements and twists in the Black Cat.
0: And that all said, it's a beautiful film. On top of it, I mean, it, it's it's creepy, it's unnerving, it's affecting, and it's it, but it's beautiful, and it's it's. Extreme Ulmer yeah. isn't better known,
1: and I think actually, you know, um, our friend Paul McComas is working on an Edgar G. Ulmer book with some someone who I can't remember right now. I think it's a, a newspaper journalist from uh, Milwaukee. I think I wouldn't swear. But Paul, well, at
0: one point he he but that was before something you know things happened with him so who knows but right, yeah, uh, yeah I, w- I would love to see
1: and olmer yeah. and certainly deserves a good bio oh yeah
0: oh yeah i mean and you know i said it's his most prestigious film his other work's great too just if he right. had, had the kind of studio support that he had in the black cat with some of his other films i think people would know him better right right exactly anyway.
1: and and if if i had to pick one of his the black cat is the one i'd pick but oh yeah that's because it's it's way up on my top list of best horror films. And I, I don't want to think that we're – hopefully we're not overselling it to people here. It's a 1934 so. Edge of the Code era horror film. So don't go in there expecting Citizen Kane or Casablanca. It's, it's not that kind of a picture. But for Monster Kids, I think it's a real treat.
0: I would put the cinematography of the blackout up against Citizen Kane any day, to be honest.
1: Honestly, the cinematography and the set design too is just yeah. It's as good as it's as good as anything ever done in the movies. I think.
0: So thank you for listening to the Edgar G. Ulmer podcast. It was good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, there are four other guys. In this yeah, there are four,
0: four yeah. other guys. And uh, Fernando old guys too, because of yeah, well, the the uh, Fernando de Fuentes from uh, the Phantom of the Convent. Now there are shots of this that feel like white zombie. I mean, there are scenes in this thing I just loved. I'm not I'm so disappointed I haven't seen it I know (laughs) right I don't want to oversell it because Steve hasn't seen it yet. but it's really good Uh, so I would put him so he's on the ballot the next name on the ballot is somebody that uh, Steve helped me pick (laughs) before we started Uh, and it did come in from some other people in the conservancy as well Brian Desmond Hurst who directed the Edgar Allan Poe adaptation The Telltale Heart which uh, just runs barely under an hour but close enough for what we're doing here
1: right and it's a British film so Mm -hmm. You know, that that gives it an added moment of interest. Aside, If you weren't sold on Poe and Telltale Art, maybe you're a Brit lover and, and that'll be worth it for you.
0: And then we also have the director of Black Moon, uh, Roy William Neal.
1: And Roy William Neal is a, you know, a solid working director from that era who did a whole bunch of the Sherlock Holmes films and brings a, lot a lot nice. of the
0: universal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the, the classic Rathbone, Bruce, Sherlock Holmes films, which are. Huge influence on me, my my work, and my life. Probably all the mystery books I've ever written, which is a bunch of them. Probably inspired fairly directly by those Sherlock Holmes pictures. Anyway, but he's not on there for that. He's on there for Black Moon, which is nice, nicely atmospheric and has a uh, an interesting and surprising climax. Indeed.
0: Uh, he was also the guy who directed the Black Room, which Larry Underwood and I just talked about here on the show not too long ago. So, oh
1: yeah, and that's a that's <laughs> a really good film too.
0: Yep, yep. So when we get to thirty-five, maybe we'll see him again. All right. In the <laughs> final director for nineteen thirty-four, we uh, a couple of people submitted Mitchell. Is it Leeson or Lyson, The director of Death Takes a Holiday.
1: Uh, I'm not sure which one of those it is actually, but Death Takes a Holiday is a, it's a fine film and from the. The Hollywood studio era, so you can't can't really go wrong with that. And again, Frederick March, who who I think didn't he win the the Academy Award for Best Actor for Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde?
0: I uh, yeah, I believe he did. Sure, wasn't he as
1: in *Mimolians*, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde? He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, is yeah. What that is him. That is him." When, we, is him. when, when yeah. I just ad lib and pull stuff out of my head here, and, <laughs> and we got more than fifty years of stuff in this head now, so some, sometimes it'll be right, sometimes it won't be right. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was, uh, he was Jekyll, and now we're scrambling frantically.
0: No, no, he was Jekyll and Hyde, and That that was him.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he won the Academy Award for Best, for best Actor, which is one of the only big Monster Kid Oscar wins uh, until at least this year where Shape of Water just won Best Picture.
0: Woo, yeah. Couple, the <laughs> yeah, the Academy's always been kinda of down on a lot of the genre stuff. But yeah, no, uh March did win for uh the film Best Actor. He tied with Wallace Beery uh for the champ in nineteen
1: thirty two. Interesting.
0: But most importantly, he he was in a movie that was nominated for a bunch of retro rally awards. So and, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I know if he were
1: alive, that would be the thing he would have up on his shelf.
0: Yep, of course, of course. All right. All right, so let's go best film. Uh, these are all movies that have already been brought up in conversation, which tends to happen. I feel like a lot of times they can do cluster up a little bit. I try to put in some variety, but when you have a movie like The Black Cat, you got to put it in that list yep. on the ballot for best movie.
1: Yeah, we've gone on too much about it probably already. Go see The Black Cat. So sorry if I'm overselling it, but I no, it, man, honestly it's, it's one of it's such my a good favorite. Film horror movies, period. It's
0: such a good film. I totally recommend it as well. Uh, we also have The Phantom of the Convent on here, and I wish this one was easier to see. I'll do some digging and see if I can find a, an easier way for people to see it because I think it's moody and spooky, and it's got some cool stuff in it that I I want to talk about with people. So Right, yeah, um, and
1: I'm disappointed that I didn't see it. You and I should have gotten together earlier in the week and we could have
0: figured well, out a I just,
1: FedEx it to me or something.
0: I watched it this morning, so I don't know if it would have been enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Since you were two hours earlier than I am, and you mm-hmm. and I started talking kind of at the crack of dawn for me. So anyway. All right. So the Black the black Cat.
0: The Black Cat, Phantom of the Convent, Black Moon. Got Black Moon in here. Black Moon. The Telltale Heart. Mm-hmm. And Death Takes a Holiday.
1: So there you go. 34 was a really thin year.
0: You know, it's tough. There are a handful of movies that kind of blend together uh, a lot of the old Dark House type, Spooky House type movies.
1: Right, yeah. And you end up finding those on a lot of horror lists. And are they really horror? Uh, Sometimes they are a little bit. Sometimes they aren't. Mostly they're just that kind of genre B movie mystery things, which I really like.
0: All right, we have the, the category that I think a lot of people really look forward to is Best Monster. And this is what I was talking about earlier. When we look at these movies and we look at the decades, the 30s, until we get later on, into the 30s, it's the, the studios weren't like we're making monster movies. They were just making movies that had genre elements in them. So you don't have a lot of the monster-heavy films that you end up with later. And
1: we hit the, the code period now, too, where – the production of actual monster movies fell off during the the early years, certainly of the code because the studios were concerned about anything that might get them, you know, for want of a better term, blacklisted Mm -hmm. with the people that were really into enforcing this production code. Uh, And honestly, the movie, the movies suffered for it for a good while until they got a little more subversive and figured out ways to kind of work around the code a little bit. But the code was, honestly, the code was bad for the creativity in in the Hollywood movies during this era. And this is when it started, right here.
0: How do you pronounce Boris Karloff's character's name in The Black Cat?
1: Yalmar Pelzig.
0: Well, he's on the list for Best Monster. I know he's just a guy. And
1: (laughs) And that was pretty good (laughs) for me just remembering it and actually (laughs) looking it up. But I believe it's Yalmar Pelzig.
0: Works for me, and and you know I know he's just a guy. I know he's just you know a human doing stuff.
1: Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't want to totally give away his his shtick. I don't think. Yeah, but you're gonna have to trust us on this. He's a monster.
0: Oh yes, yes, He is indeed, a monster. He, he is indeed. Uh, going to the other spec, other side of the uh, <laughs> spectrum here. Despite a character named Death, Death from Death Takes a Holiday, who's on the ballot, isn't. All that evil. So <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have Carla uh, from the Black Cat. We have Death. And then we have two primates the crazed orangutan from Beast of Borneo and the killer ape from House of Mystery.
1: They're killer apes. What more do you need? Like we said, it's hard to come by actual true monsters. And I'm not even sure we have any on this list. So I haven't not seen really. your, your final nomination is well you help
0: me with this one it's don maxwell from maniac who's another guy doing some monstrous things right he's the
1: mad assistant that replaces the mad scientist in maniac which is a very strange pre-code film with a little bit of nudity and i honestly i'd like to see a much better print of it than i've seen the print i got i got off of archive.org which is an awesome thing everyone should support archive.org but you know, it's public domain, so the prints aren't always the best. It would be interesting to see a better print maniac.
0: So before we move on to 1944, Steve, it's been months since we've had you on Monster Kid Radio. What's going on with you in 2018, man?
1: What's going on with me in 2018 is largely still Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors. Yes, yeah? I have actually finished the draft of Dr. Cushing, and it is actually slotted on my website running every other week from now until, uh, appropriately, October.
0: So people nice. that are
1: into that can tune into that, get a new chapter of Dr. Cushing every week between now and then. And on the site right now, we're starting to get into the point where all the monsters that we've been setting up for a long time, which is, you know, the, the mad sculptor, the mummy, the vampire, and the werewolf, all of those characters are about to come together and, The traditional huge monster rally battle. People can tune in now and catch up and they'll be here for the the really cool part. Aside from that, I also am writing a kids monster series of stories for a publisher named Little Fox. And they do English language learning books for Korean kids. They're a Korean company. They're really awesome to work for. And I'm doing a a series of stories, I'm not doing all of them, called Monster Academy, which is a middle school for monsters who live next door to uh, a human area. That's really interesting and fun. And those are, those are books, but they're also, the way they do them is I write them as a book, and then they do full animation that you can read along to with them. So there's like three or four different ways you can consume these things. And they're very cool. And it's a subscription site, but it's not... Not terribly expensive and it's just it's really awesome. So those are kind of the, the primary things that I'm I'm doing that are Monster Kid related. And you know, I just finished up the only convention I'm really going to this year, which is Gary GaryCon, the gaming convention, where I ran Manos and Canoe Cops versus the Mummy, which uh, at some point I'm hoping to gather my monster related game materials and publish them as a probably an omnibus that has all of them together. So Fans of one will be exposed to the other and stuff. And after that, well, some of what I do after that is going to be determined by my fans on my Patreon site, which you can get to at CushingHorrors.com. That's Cushing as in Peter Cushing and Horrors as in, ah, eek, Horrors. So you can go there and help me determine (laughs) what I'm going to do after I'm finished with Dr. Cushing. To some extent, whether I'm going to dive into finally releasing the Frost Arrow series that I wrote most of 20 years ago, whether I'm going to start another episode of Dr. Cushing, or whether I'm going to do another Daikaiju attack or something entirely different. That's what's up with me right now.
0: Very cool. Awesome. It's been too long since we've had you on, so I wanted to take a moment to to catch up a little bit before we get back to the ballot and and open up 1944. And here's where things start to shift a little bit in the forties. We start to see more monster stuff happening. You know, we've got, you know, and I don't know why it is, but lately I've been thinking a lot about how world war two impacted horror cinema and and you start to see a little bit of mm-hmm. how things start to play out a little bit, and it's just fascinating to me, and I could go off on it for a little while, but I'm not going to because that's not what you're here for. You're here for the nominees, and uh, I think we've got a strong ballot here, a strong collection of folks here.
1: Yeah, it's it's a much better year than 34 in terms of depth for Monster and Kids.
0: All right, so I'm going to mispronounce the name. Um, it's not Spanish. It's not Japanese. I've just never heard anybody say the name out loud.
1: <laughs> so what are we doing first? Here we're doing best
0: actor. The lead from the movie The Lodger. Is it Laird Krieger? That's an amazing film. I hadn't seen it until like really good.
1: a year or maybe two years ago. But he's the, Laird Krieger is in a couple of these really kind of amazing pseudo-horror films and and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a film that if you haven't seen the Lodger, it's got great acting. It's got great atmosphere. The cinematography's—it's got everything going for it in terms of studio pictures from the 1940s. It's really, really good.
0: It's a cool mystery. Uh, he's really good in it. I—I'm I, not overly familiar with him, and I believe there's a book in the works.
1: There could be. He was. I think Gregory know,
0: William Mank is working on a book about him, so I'm looking forward to that. You're my
1: memory on it now, <laughs> but my memory is that he's not in all that much stuff and that he was, he's one of these people that was, that died early.
0: Yeah. And I just double checked Uh, Gregory William Mank, a friend of the show is putting out or has put out this year, a book called Laird Crager, a Hollywood tragedy. I plan on talking to him about it at monster bash this year, but I was just fascinated. I was riveted by him in this film. And so I'm really excited to learn more about him. Uh, somebody else that's on the ballot this year, another incredibly strong actor. I have not seen a film that this guy has made that I have not liked. Ray Milland, The Uninvited.
1: Oh, man. It's, this is a great picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a classic ghost story. It's creepy. It's funny in places. It has romance. It's got a couple of nice twists to it. It's got... Atmosphere, and again, this is an A picture. It really is. In terms of the production, everything about that, The Uninvited is top notch. It's one of those films that, when you're talking about haunted house films, this one is always right near the top of the list of ones that people mention.
0: Yeah, it it is one of, if not the first uh, studio film, A Pictures, to treat a haunted house movie as if the ghosts are actually there, that they're real. Right. That it's not somebody trying to pull a caper or pull a fast one. It's not, you know, a bunch of tricks and levers and buttons. The ghosts are real. And they have real impact on the story.
1: When we say that, we're not counting the ghostly mysteries where it's all revealed to be the guy behind the curtain in classic Scooby-Doo fashion. And then at the end, there's like, the candle that levitates and and they look at the camera and go do you believe
0: <laughs> right yeah <laughs> exactly it's no it's a solid film yeah it's a great film
1: and he's great in it
0: here's a quandary with the rest of the ballot when you think about classic horror especially from this period you know we're looking at 40s 50s universal there are three names and all three of them are on the ballot this year for best <laughs> actor <laughs> In order, we have Lon Chaney Jr. from Weird Woman, Boris Karloff from House of Frankenstein, and Bela Lugosi from Return of the Vampire.
1: And Yow. <laughs> <laughs> house of Frankenstein, the, the two house movies from Universal, are just they're heck of a lot of fun. They're the original Monster Rally movies, so without which we would not have these awards. Yep. So w- what are you going to say about that? Uh, Weird Woman is an amazing picture that is – Weird Women is one of the best of the – Oh, I think
0: it's the best of inter-sanctum. the Inter-Sanctum films. There were 6 inner Inter-Sanctum movies that Cheney did and he finally got to play the leading man.
1: Yeah, you're right. He finally
0: got to play the leading man. I mean he, he always wanted to be that, that Clark Gable kind of type and he finally got to do it in these inner sanctum movies.
1: He's really good in this and it's interesting that you've chosen to put him in for this versus his turn that same year as Lawrence Talbot, the Wolfman.
0: It wasn't just me, but it's tough, yeah. It wasn't just me.
1: <laughs> Honestly, if you look at House of Frankenstein, you could have filled the Best Actor category entirely from that film. Right. You've got Karloff, you've got Chaney, you've got Carradine, you've got Gay Carol Nash, and there there may be one other that I'm forgetting right sure. now, but that's four out of the five right off the top of our heads. What you going to do? So it's it's good that Cheney is getting a nod from Weird Woman, which is a, as you said, the the best of the inner Sanctum mysteries, and it's a really good one.
0: It is really Very really
1: nice. it's a good film on every every level, and I expect we may see some more nominations for that film.
0: Maybe. <laughs> Did we get to five already? Is no, uh, Legosi was the fifth. Legosi from Return of the Vampire. Which... Return
1: of the Vampire, which is. One of his great roles. It's
0: Dracula by Any Other Name. It really it's, is. It really is Again, this is no. one of those films that it's
1: harder to see and you may not have seen it, but it's readily available on cheap DVD. And it's got a number of characters in it, in addition to Lugosi, that I really, really like.
0: Yes, me too. A lot.
1: I'm suspecting there will be at least one more nomination. Yes.
0: Yeah, there, there will that. be. Listeners, uh, at Monster Bash last year, Frank Dello Strido did an amazing presentation on this film that he came up to my hotel room and then gave privately so he could record it. It's in the archives at monsterkidradio.net. I highly recommend it because he brings up a lot of really interesting stuff about this film. Like Steve said, it's Dracula and everything but name only. It's amazing. And it's a vampire and a werewolf movie. I mean, there's a werewolf in this thing, too. It's good. Bella Lugosi is a vampire, which he honestly did not play
1: that much right? In- that's true. Everyone thinks of him as Dracula, but this is really the other film where he's really an all-out vampire. If you haven't seen it, you should, and it makes a great double feature with Dracula because it's almost like a. Sequel. Oh yeah, almost like a sequel to it. So, almost. There are so many things this year. It makes you wish you could have dumped some of them in nineteen thirty-four to fatten that <laughs> that set of categories out <laughs> a little bit, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> well, you know, and Steve mentioned something about not putting. Uh, Cheney up here for uh, Lawrence Talbot. Every category has a writing category. If, if you think we've missed the mark, well it's everybody else's fault but mine in the Conservancy. but if you think we missed the mark, <laughs> you can always write in your own your own choice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Although one of the things that Derek decided to do last year or the year before on the rallies was not pit people up against their own performances.
0: I tried real hard to avoid that. Just, it, it, I feel like it splits the vote too much. I think
1: we call that the Faye Ray
0: rule. The Faye Ray rule. <laughs> I like it.
1: <laughs> I think it was 1933 with her in like five different movies. It was like pretty much. Okay, it's not really fair to have Faye from Kong going up against Faye from the Devil Bat and Faye from whatever else she was yeah. in that year. There's
0: just she was a busy woman. She was.
1: she was a horror queen, you know. I mean, she she right. Evil, Evelyn Anchors. Evelyn Anchors are two of the original horror queens. And well, of the two, I think Faye probably made more horror movies, maybe. I don't know. It would be interesting to count. Someone out there in Monster Kid Land, count them up. Tell us who was in more horror movies.
0: Well, speaking of Evelyn Anchors, she's on the ballot for Best Actress for her performance on Weird Woman. One of the few times she played a uh, not-so-nice person.
1: And she's great.
0: Oh, she's fantastic.
1: This is one of her best performances. And she and Lon Chaney Jr. reportedly did not get along so well. But on the screen together, they're freaking magic, man.
0: Oh, their chemistry was fantastic. They did what, seven movies together? Right. They sparkle every time. And he used to call her Evelyn Cankers. They they didn't get along, Um, you know.
1: But they are magic. On the screen together, they are magic.
0: Yes. So it's it's,
1: it's too bad they didn't get along. (laughs) But they still made seven films together. And that's a lot.
0: It is. A lot of time to be around somebody you don't like. Right. (laughs) All right, so also on the list, uh, we talked about The Uninvited. Ruth Hussey from The Uninvited is on the list here.
1: Strong performances end to end in that film. And she's uh, Raimoulin's sister, I believe. Yeah?
0: Well, I, yeah, yeah. Solid <laughs> Solid choice. Again,
1: this is, I am not IMDb-ing this, guys. I'm doing this off the top of my head. <laughs> so if I'm wrong, you get to write us in and say, hey, Steve's getting old. He's forgetting these things. He's
0: misremembering that's right. It's all Steve's fault.
1: Sorry, but I bet you wish you'd seen as many monster movies as I've seen, and I bet you wish you'd seen as many monster movies in the theater from 35mm. Oh,
0: stop showing off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, oh, also, yeah, uh, we have to talk about a movie that's got a monster in it or two or three, Anne Gwynne from House of Frankenstein.
1: There you go. The uh, yeah. kind of damsel hero, I think, Anne Gwen. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, uh, an actress that I think Steve probably predicted a second ago, making her appearance on the ballot, Frida Ines Court from Return of the Vampire.
1: She is the female Van Helsing. I'd love to do a whole series about that character. She's awesome.
0: Me too. I I, yes, she's amazing.
1: Man, this is a tough category this year. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this is a tough category.
0: So she she's pretty fantastic. The character's fantastic. The performance is solid. She goes up against Dracula for crying out loud. In the forties, a strong female character going up against Dracula. well, Armand Tesla, but Dracula for crying out come on.
1: Yeah. It's it's an extraordinary performance and I honestly there are, wow. This is a this is one of the strongest female mm-hmm. actor categories that we've ever had. One of the strongest actress categories that I think we've ever had. And it's probably only going to get tougher here because we've got at least one more to go, maybe two.
0: One more. Yeah, we got one more to go. Her co-star from Return of the Vampire, but not nominated for her performance in that, Nina Foch from Cry of the Werewolf.
1: Uh, Nina Foch. That's a a good choice. And she is very strong in Cry of the Werewolf,
0: which is is a really cool
1: and moody film. And she's really good. Boy. So, wow. Strong category. Honestly, I have no idea how I'm going to vote in this category this year yet. (laughs) I'm gonna to have to look at the ballot and make my choice.
0: Shall we dive into director?
1: Let us dive into director. That sounds like a great idea.
0: So we have the best director category of 1944. These are movies that we've talked about, with the exception of one. Uh, so uh, we've got Weird Woman, which was directed by Reginald LeBorg.
1: Or the Le I don't think so. Yeah. I don't have that uh, that name right. In front. Oh, there it is. Yeah, original
0: Le Borg. Le Borg. Okay. Yeah. So he directed Weird Woman.
1: I'm guessing he might be English, but with a French surname. But who knows?
0: He was Austrian. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then it's from the Le Borg. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Hey man, I. Sorry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry,
1: dude. We don't know how to pronounce your name because this is 70 years ago. And he
0: directed quite a few films. Uh, what's interesting, I, I when people see The Valet. I am going to try to include pictures this time around of the actors, the actresses, movie posters, things like that. I went looking for pictures of uh, director Reginald here, and for some reason or other, including his Wikipedia page, it's a picture of Forrest J. Ackerman. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously? <laughs> I don't know Weird. why. I but,
1: don't know why either. Uh, he also did Strange. a little bit of
0: acting here and there, but he directed a handful of other movies for Universal. Uh, Some good stuff, some stuff that we don't talk about too much. But overall, I mean, I think he did a really good job with Weird Woman, and I'm the one who put him on the ballot for that. I don't care what the rest of the conservancy says.
1: (laughs) It's a great great low-budget mystery horror film. One of the best, actually. I, I
0: think so too. I think so too. Also on the list for best directors, the director of The Uninvited, Lewis Allen.
1: Yeah, uh, you can't go wrong with that. It's it's a great film. Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. And then we're also going to have the director of Return of the Vampire, Lou Landers, who I think, given what he was working with, man, just made such a solid movie.
1: It's amazingly good, and you all you wish they'd done more. Yeah. You wish they'd done a sequel to it. Oh, man. Or a number of sequels to it. Or even just a series with the Monster Hunter character. Yeah. Because she's, she's freaking awesome. She is.
0: She is. If only we knew a writer or two who could write a female vampire Monster Hunter from the 40s. I, I don't – do you know anybody? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the Cushing Horrors is set in the 30s, but there is a, uh, a monster hunter, a female monster <laughs> hunter in it. So those of you who are into that kind of stuff.
0: There you go. So, we also have a director who managed to juggle Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, a wolfman, a mad scientist or two, Earl C. Kenton, the director of House of Frankenstein.
1: Doing something that nobody had ever attempted before. Pretty much. So, just from that, he gets big props from me. I mean, it helped that he had
0: been doing genre work since the 30s with Island of Lost Souls, and, of course, he did Ghost of Frankenstein. But, yeah, this was—even though we had Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, even though we had Return of the Vampire, this— I believe was the first time we had like the, the big monster rally, right? This was the first time to bring them all. Right, together. Yeah.
1: This is the first time we had more than two monsters together. And it's only the second time we, I think even had two because there's Frankenstein meets the wolf man. And then there's this,
0: well, there's return of the vampire. You know? We have a wolf man in it, oh, but it's true. not the, Wolfman, there are two there know. too,
1: but that's the same year. Yep. So, yep. and it's not the, it's not the same franchise. exactly. But generally it was a uh, one monster and done uh, during that time. And the, the, Werewolf in Return of the Vampire is kind of a—it's not something you really expect first time you go. At least I certainly didn't first time I saw that.
0: And finally, the first time on the ballot this year for Best Director, Curse of the Cat People, directed by Robert Wise.
1: Great director does—he's done a lot of great films, and the Curse of the Cat People is moody and atmospheric. It's one of those pictures that, when I was younger, was disappointing to me because of the lack of monsters. <laughs>
0: You know, the thing about it the Val Luton films, though, right? Is that-
1: exactly. It's one of the Val Luton films. It's a direct sequel to The Cat People. And I was just too young to have learned that a lot can, especially when you're working with very low budgets, a lot can be done with atmosphere and mood if you don't have the best makeup artists in the world or don't even want the best makeup artist in the world. I mean, one of the geniuses of Cat People is that it's all shadows and, and paranoia and... Yeah, she's really turning into that panther, clearly, but you never quite see it, and that's actually makes it scarier. Mm-hmm. Certainly scarier than a, a bad CGI panther inserted into the scenes yeah. or something they might do nowadays. True, true. So look at a Luton picture, discover you can do a lot more with shadows than you actually need to do with CGI.
0: And then, okay, let's move on to best movie. These are all movies that have come up in one way or another here. Uh, the Lodger for best film of 1944.
1: Booty atmospheric, great lead performance.
0: The Uninvited.
1: Again, Booty <laughs> atmospheric, great lead performance says.
0: No. Uh, Weird Woman, again, that's my pick. I, I forced that in there because I love it so much. But Weird Woman. Low
1: budget suspense horror pictures don't get much better than Weird Woman.
0: Curse of the Cat People. Just
1: talked about Just it. Just talked about love. it. Amazing mood, amazing creepiness. Uh, it's kind of a weird child's fantasy movie, too, in a yeah,
0: way. Yeah, yeah. And House of Frankenstein. You've got to have the
1: prototypical Monster Rally film. Got to have it,
0: man. Got to have it.
1: Got to have it. Uh, I, I love that picture.
0: Yep. So for Best Monster, we've got two monsters from House of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's Monster and the Wolfman. And really, even though it's House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, these are all, for the most part, the Wolfman stories. I mean, th- those are the, th- yes. that's really the most engaging and, and sympathetic, empathetic. I mean, it's so good.
1: That may be why the Wolfman is my favorite of the classic Universal Monsters, mm-hmm. because he has a story. He has a story that starts with the Wolfman and ends with either House of Dracula or Evan Costello meet Frankenstein, depending on whether you consider that to be part of the actual canon. Or not. But anyway, yeah, awesome.
0: Uh, let's see. We also have another universal monster that did not make its way into any of the Monster Rally movies, despite them originally wanting to put him in Abbott and Costello, uh, The Mummy, Karras.
1: Yeah. And we had two Karras pictures this, this year. I remember We had this, two Karras
0: pictures. And and I debated whether or not we're going to count Karras for both films, but I, I think that's fine. I mean, he had two film appearances. Some of it might have been stock footage, but he had two film appearances uh, in 1944 with two of the universal monster mummy movies. Excuse me. So Karras is on the list for best monster, and and deservedly so. I, I love the mummies. I love, love Karras, and I'm
1: I'm sorry that he never made it into the films with the other monsters, which is why, in, in Dr. Christian's favor of ours, not to flog my fly my flag too high, we actually have a mummy meeting the vampire and the werewolf. So there you go.
0: We also have the spirits from the Uninvited, which is kind of tough because you really don't see. Yeah, it's it very creepy. I mean, you do, but. But they are creepy, and again, without their presence, there's no story. I mean, these are integrated. It's, it's just good. It's good. If you haven't seen The yeah, Invited,
1: it's a classic. It is one it. of the two or three classic ghost stories from, you know, yep. from the the pre-color era or the no anti-color era or whatever you want to call it. Because certainly they had color films now, but I didn't always think it was a good idea to make something in color, and this is one of those films.
0: Mm-hmm. And then finally, Lugosi, Armand Tesla. Oh
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this easy on a guy, are you? An embarrassment of riches in 44. All
0: right, so before we dive into 1954, Steve, we talked a little bit about what you've been doing and what's coming up. What are you looking forward to Monster Kid-wise in 2018? Are there, are there any movies or events that you're looking forward to this year? Oh, boy, that's that's a really good question. Um, I'm
1: really looking forward to Christopher R. Mim's next two films, uh, one of which is coming out this year. I think Guns of the Apocalypse is coming out this year and I've forgotten the title of the second one. Maybe you could fill it in for me, Derek. Queen of snakes. snakes. I'm, I love Christopher's work. I love his films and I'm so looking forward to those coming out. And of course, Joshua Kennedy is hopefully this year releasing house of the Gorgon.
0: Actually, uh, it's been posted online. The debut, the premiere will be happening at next year's monster bash.
1: Next year's monster bash. Whatever year that's coming out in, I'm, Totally looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wish I'd gotten to work with him on that. The way I'd gotten to work with him on Theseus and the Minotaur this last year, I'm, I'm envious of the cast and, and crew he has working on that. I expect it's it's going to be one of his best, if not his best film. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Those are the things that kind of pop into my head, right off okay. the top, top of my head, which is it's just interesting because those are all kind of smaller films. I mean, I'm also hoping that we're going to get some, some cool blue blu-ray releases that I don't know about and that kind of stuff, but I don't know about them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, I know they're doing, they're releasing some more, um, Valdemar Danisky, Paul Nashy films this year. There's uh, been some
0: talk of that. And, uh, I think scream factory announced curse of the cat people's coming out on blue, which is kind of yep, cool. Very cool. It'd be cool to put that next to the criterion of cat people and, you know, put that together. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard for sure, but is Criterion or FilmRise, are they finally going to pull the trigger on putting the rest of the uh, Toho kaiju films that they have now in their library? Oh, boy, that would be nice. It would be nice, but it would be terrible for the budget. But it would be great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I want a Rodan Blu-ray. Yeah, no, eh? Come on. <laughs> anytime they
1: re release the Godzilla films in a better format, I, I'm afraid I have to rebuy them. So yeah, that would yeah. be nice. And, and I know that there are a number of those that have been upgraded, at least in Japan. Um, and yes. even though we can, in theory, play Japan Blu-rays here, they're always insanely expensive and they never have English subtitles.
0: I was going to say, somebody sent me a Blu-ray of Frankenstein Conquers the World awesome. from Japan. And I thought, this is awesome. I can't wait to pop this in. It's, it's right. not so Yeah, no, I know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> but it looks I'm not sure
1: why our friends in Japan don't put English subs on. Uh, it may just be that they don't want people exporting them.
0: It, it might be a rights thing too. Oh, it, it could, really be right could be thing. a rights it's, thing. With oh,
1: it could totally be a rights thing. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not actually going to get to go to G Fest this year because it conflicts with a uh, a family reunion. But uh, I'm sure that that'll be great too. I really enjoyed G Fest last year. Uh, the the day I was down there, I got to see old and new friends. So that that was really awesome. Um, I don't know. Uh, I always look forward to Halloween season. I have no idea what's coming up. In terms of monster stuff, what do, what do you have on your monster kid radar for the year, Derek?
0: Well, the bash. I mean, it's it's the it's all the bash. I mean, that that's that's yeah. It, uh, I'm sorry
1: to say, I'm not going to make the bash this year. I've just got too much too much other expensive traveling to do this year.
0: Fine, I'll just have to have have to have enough fun. You for will. You will, I guess. You
1: will. I'm afraid <laughs> the bash was one of my highlights of last year for sure.
0: And. Monster Kid Radio is going to have a table right up front, right next to registration. I know. If
1: I win the lottery, maybe I could just fly down.
0: That <laughs> would out. be sweet. So, those of you with winning
1: <laughs> million-dollar lottery tickets, feel free to send them my way. Too much, stuff, too much fun to be at. Too much stuff to do. To I know. Be limited by uh, <laughs> limited by the salary of a, an, a book author and a librarian, <laughs> which just uh, defines the parameters of my life.
0: No, the, the bash is pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of other things going on, but the bash. That's every all of my focus is on that right now. After that, who knows? But uh, I'm really looking forward to yeah. that.
1: Well, you know, if we could get you if we could get you out for the Guns of the Apocalypse premiere, which I assume is uh, in early October out in Minneapolis. That's that's one of those things where I get to we get together now with a, a whole bunch of people that we know that are up there is in addition to the Mims, and that's always a a real. Thing.
0: Uh, someday, someday I'll get someday. to a premiere. Someday.
1: someday, so Derek is on the send me lottery t- winning lottery tickets list too.
0: <laughs> anyway, so let's dive into nineteen fifty
1: four. A very good year for monsters.
0: Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so nineteen fifty four, and this is something I guess on some level I kind of knew this, but it wasn't until I started doing Monster Kid Radio proper that I realized so many of these monster movies are right smack dab in the 50s and again this has a lot to do with the culture people don't want to think about the darkness and the war anything else Uh, they've got the drive-in starting atomic annihilation derek don't forget atomic annihilation And, and that's exactly what i was about to say we got the cold war stuff starting to come up i mean it's nuts there's so much that you can trace back to the movies and look at and I'm excited to talk about some of these or some of these nominees. I I hope I surprise you a little bit. I hope you're surprised. I hope the listeners are surprised. Let's let's kick off Best Actor with Lee J. Cobb from Gorilla. Oh, Large. <laughs> <laughs> He's the cop. There you he's go. the lead investigator trying to figure out what's going on with the. And he's just good. The his interactions, his dialogue, the way he kind of spits his lines at people. This is actually a
1: really good movie. Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, also in this category, uh, a favorite of ours here, I often say that Lugosi, Karloff, and Agar are the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio. But if I would add a fourth, I'd certainly add Vincent Price. His performance in The Mad Magician is yep. amazing. He
1: plays a number of, impersonates a number of other characters. And I'm only slightly disappointed that I actually watched this again this week, just mostly coincidentally, that when he is playing these other characters, they actually dub his voice to impersonate the other characters. I kind of wish I'd been able to use yeah. Vincent's real voice. If I had been me, I might've had Vincent do the other two voices and dub the other two and then use his own voice hey. to do the impersonations. But there they didn't go. do it
0: that Now, I think this one came out on Blu-ray from Twilight Time uh, not too long ago. I didn't pick it up and Twilight Time does very limited releases. So I, I don't know if it's still available. Uh, how did you see it? Do you have no, it on Blu-ray? No,
1: I have it on uh, I have it from TCM, I'm pretty sure. And I, I think TCM okay. just played it, or someone... Was it TCM? I'm pretty sure TCM just played it. No, Sven Gulli played it. Oh,
0: that's, that's where right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's been yep. branching out. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a great
1: print. Sven, Sven upgrades his prints when uh, when he does things, even if he's done them before. And this one, I believe he had never done before. Although I think they actually cut a scene out for time, uh, which I found the scene where he... Reclaims the head that's in the bag from the, the cops, which is kind of a key <laughs> scene. So I was surprised they cut that out and not yeah. not some other fluffier piece. But editing for television, man, what are you going to do? Anyway, it's a great film. and Price is fabulous in it.
0: We're talking about Vincent Price's voice. I want to go to somebody else who's got an incredible voice who's on the ballot this year. James Mason from Twenty Thousand Leagues oh, Under the Sea. God,
1: I'd almost forgotten this one was from this
0: year too. <laughs> <laughs> So a Disney film it on the ballot. It is
1: a great film. It is a film that I saw in the drive-in when I was a little kid on a re-release. And it's mm-hmm. like we lived next to a pond and my brother and I immediately made submarines for our toys and took them out into the pond. <laughs> submarines out of old, uh, <laughs> old uh, laundry detergent bottles and took them out into the pond and oh, played nice. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for weeks and weeks after <laughs> seeing this.
0: That's, That's awesome. a
1: great film. And James Mason, I think it's one of his best roles. I think he's brilliant at it. There right. you
0: go. You mentioned earlier, you know, Atomic Annihilation, you know, got the radiation movies and all that. And so we have to have them represented on their analysis this year. James Whitmore's performance from that. Boy,
1: it is a, a great performance and has some great lines and a little bit of a character arc. And that you could, again, this is them is one of those films that you could pull two or three four actors and actresses out of it and put them on the put them on the list and they're all mm-hmm. fine this honestly when we get to the best picture this year there are three at least three pictures from 1954 that are probably in my top 10 of all time movies list that I love so much and we'll talk about them when we get there but this is <laughs> boy is that that makes these categories this year just incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. So James Whitmore right up there near the top.
0: And finally, we have to represent my favorite film.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got Richard Carlson from creature from the black lagoon. And I really struggled. Do we go with Richard Carlson or do we go with Richard Dunning? But I think, <laughs> I, do I think too, we And I can going. Never, pre-
1: I can never keep yeah. them straight because of this movie. I confuse these guys. Oh really? To this very day. Just because they're both Richards, they're both in Creature from the Black Lagoon. I know them by sight, but I can never remember without really taxing my little brain which one is which one.
0: Oh really? And, okay.
1: And which one did you go with?
0: Carlson. Carlson the hero. The hero.
1: Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Carlson Richard Carlson.
0: <laughs> Not <laughs> Evelyn Anchor's husband, which was Richard Which Denning. is Richard Denninger. Like Carlson. one of them was married
1: yeah. to someone else we really like and it is yes. only because of the creatures from the Black Lagoon that I could fuse these two guys, and because they're both named <laughs> Richard. <laughs> yep. What What were they thinking? One of them should have changed his name to Agar or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that would
0: have made it easier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep the creature love going as we go into Best Actress because you know I've got Julie Adams on my ballot. Of course. I, don't, I wouldn't have cared if anybody else in the Conservancy didn't mention her. It's my ballot, my show. It's Julie Adams. and man. She's
1: great. She's a great character. <laughs> she loses a bit of agency during the film, but she starts out really strong. And then, you know, it's 1954. They're still struggling with women's roles. And
0: baby steps. Couldn't quite.
1: Yeah, baby steps. Couldn't quite carry it through. To the end of the picture, all the time, but occasionally they did, and uh, there may be someone else on your list that actually has agency throughout the the entire picture. So, pretty much. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So that's okay. your, your best actress.
0: Best actress, also on my list. I'm going back to Gorilla at Large, <laughs> and Bancroft is in that movie. Cool. <laughs> she plays uh, the wife of. Perry, uh, Raymond Burr's character, Perry Mason. <laughs> Raymond Burr's character.
2: I can't look
0: at you. <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't not look at him and think Perry Mason. I always. Anyway, she plays Raymond Burr's character's wife. Uh, she's a trapeze artist, and she's up to no good. She's devilish. The way she puts the moves on Cameron Mitchell, who, in real life, I would imagine probably would have welcomed the advances. Um, very, very sinister. A great performance in this. Although she claimed to have not remembered being in that movie. So. <laughs> I'll remember though.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's really good. She's really good. And I, and I you know, now talking about it here, I, at some point, I probably need to need to watch that again. Is that the one that that it was made in three D? So there's a sequence where the the uh, trampoline artist is bouncing straight up at you.
0: I believe yeah, so. I think so. I have to go back you know? and double check. All right, let's go overseas. Let's go to Asia. Let's go to Japan. Are we going to Gojira? We are going to Gojira.
1: And are we going to Umoko Kochi? Yes, we are. As Imikoma Yamane?
0: Yes. Yep. For best actress. Yeah, it's she's awesome. great. It's a
1: classic monster movie heroine caught in the love triangle. Boy, I can't say enough about Kojira, And I expect we'll get to talk more about that soon.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a tough year, man. Godzilla and Creature up against it's each other. It's insanely tough
1: since we, we have two or three again. It's
0: the same same three
1: movies. <laughs> We have two or three of my favorite performances in this same year by actresses and probably by actors as well. So here we go. We're keeping, keeping going with the actresses though.
0: How do you feel about Eva Gabor from the mad magician?
1: I I want to say something really spoilery right now, but (laughs) (laughs) instead of talking about what she does or what her fate is, I will say that, uh, Eva Gabor is a good actress and she's good in this and she's, her character is sleazy in this and she's entertaining. So I've got no problem with that. I got no problem with that. She's, she's good in the mad magician.
0: And then the fifth name on the ballot is Joan Weldon from. And
1: I can't talk about this character enough. I love this character. Joan Weldon plays Dr. Patricia Medford, otherwise known as Pat. And she is the daughter of Edmund Gwen, who plays Dr. Harold Medford who is the old scientist and she's the young scientist and the old scientist is old. So there's a point in the movie where he can't do some of the stuff that the male character would otherwise do. And she has to do it and she's totally good with that. And the male characters around her are not. And she gives them an amazing dressing down (laughs) and and then goes and, and does the stuff that the men usually do in the movie. This is a, one of the strongest female characters in all of 1950s science fiction or horror films she's just great she's like like the gal we were talking about from Return of the Vampire and the last thing it's just like wow where did this performance come from in the, in this time and space she's Fire. really really good so she's the the other expert she's also a doctor in addition to her father being a doctor and she's got equal roles in in solving the problems of them which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Them. But, of course, 1954 has a problem with this.
0: <laughs> well, then you'll be happy to know that Them is also up for the Best Director category, Gordon Douglas Directored. Directored? <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Douglas. Douglas Gordon, oh wow! Gordon Douglas was the director of them in 1954, and he's on the ballot too. Probably going to leave that in. Um, but yeah, he's up for best. Deservedly director.
1: so, because it's them. I mean, I've heard some some people, some young and foolish people, kind of poo-poo the fact that there are giant mechanical ants. The ants in this film, which is about giant ants, if you didn't know, it's about giant ants. Coming out of the desert and and uh, taking over the world is too strong a uh, word for it. But threatening to take over the world. It's about giant ants. And the giant ants are practical effects. There are actually these giant ant replicas on the screen. And they're amazing and really creepy. And I've heard people go, yeah, they're, they're kind of fake looking. Baloney.
0: No. <laughs> Baloney.
1: Really. No. They are. You put yourself in the, the frame of mind in the 1950s. These are amazing, and there we should have such good special, practical special effects in horror movies today. As far as yeah, we got these guys. We got the giant squid in in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea coming out in the same year. This was a heyday for big monster practical special effects. Mm -hmm. And them is, I wouldn't hesitate to say it might be the best practical effects giant monster movie ever made. Oh wow! I think it really could be. Because, so, you know, unless you're counting suits as practical special effects, which they kind of are. But Godzilla is never as big as he looks on screen. These giant ants, they're exactly as big as they look on screen because they are right? that size. So these, yeah. these guys would be up there. And the director, to give him his due, juggles this all brilliantly. Them has everything. It has suspense, it has romance, it has horror, it has giant bugs. It is the original giant bug film. What more do you want? So, all right. The director. Yeah, he's awesome.
0: <laughs> Good stuff, but you know where my heart is. And and not to influence the vote, and I wasn't the only one who put him on here, but Jack Arnold, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's a great I mean, film. The man was a master. man was a master.
1: It's a great film. Like I said, there are three films in probably in my top ten of all time in this Mm-hmm. In this year, which is just too bad, they can. Cons- for awards purposes, I wish they'd spread them out a little more, but they didn't. Uh, Jack Arnold, creature yeah. from the Black Lagoon, one of his great, great monster movies, and he's he's done more than one great science fiction monster movie, uh, and this one is right near the top of the list. Is this our second or a third director that we're talking about now? Because there's...
0: Uh, this is only the second. Yeah. Because <laughs> we also... The, well, let's put the third in here. Ashira Honda.
1: For Gojira, the original Godzilla yeah. film. And holy yep. cow. If you have not seen the Japanese version of Gojira, you deserve to see that. And hopefully you can see yeah. it. I was lucky enough to see it when they restored it a number of years back now to see it on the big screen. Um, and it's, it's amazing. And I love... Godzilla King of the Monsters with Raymond Burr, which came out later. But Gojira, it's got everything. It's got, you know, it's got the great acting, cinematography, the special effects are really good. And it's got the heart of, you know, a country that has been devastated by atomic warfare.
0: Basically created a subgenre. I mean, basically created... You know, the the giant monster movie, uh, suit monster movie. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, seeing Godzilla on the big screen or Gojira on the big screen. I've had a chance to do that, too. But the Criterion release is amazing. So if if you get a chance to get your hands on the Criterion release, it's got both Gojira and Godzilla King of the Monsters in it. And they both look amazing. It's Blu-ray. The commentary track is fantastic. Watch Gojiro with the commentary track. And when he gets to the end of it, the commentarian says, okay, I have more to say. So why don't you join me over at Godzilla King of the Monsters? And he just continues. <laughs> and it's great. It's great. So Cool. Yeah, great Great film. Great movie. Uh, great director. Yep. And uh, let's throw in John Brom, the director of The Mad Again, Magician. very
1: good film. Very strong film for Vincent Price.
0: And big big shoes to fill with this one because The Mad Magician follows a lot of the same beats as House of Wax. Yep. And, and so you have some pretty big shoes to fill here, a big shadow to try to work in. And I think he does a fine job. Does House of
1: Wax win the director on 53 for the rallies? I don't remember. You,
0: that's a really good question and something that I need to make available on our website at monsterkidradio.net. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's one more if if my counting is right.
0: Uh, there is one more, and this this is podcast producer's choice. I, I picked this one. Um, I got Richard Carlson with an assist by the uncredited Herbert L. Strock for Riders of oh, the cool. Stars.
1: I just rewatched that.
0: One of the few times Carlson actually directed. It's,
1: it's actually very well done. So, and it's a, it's a serious little science fiction film. It takes a long time to build, and if you watch it now, I'm not sure if this is going to make the movie list. Maybe it will, but if you watch it now. You'll see it's about picking astronauts for a special mission when there were no astronauts. So the process they go through to pick their astronauts are very different from what we know actually happened now. And so there's there's stuff like that that doesn't date really well. And it takes a long time doing that, uh, which was probably more interesting in the 1950s than it is now. But then we get a pretty terrific set of uh, encounters out in space to climax the film. And again, if you can put aside what you know about how the space program really worked, uh, it's really good.
0: Yeah, and Carlson appears in the movie as one of the characters as well. And, and it's just, it's a solid film. I really enjoy this one a lot. Yeah. And so I, I, I polled for this one. That said, I, I think I know where I'm going to vote, but still, I wanted to give, give that some um, So yeah, I C-
1: yeah. C- creature Godzilla <laughs> them.
0: What, what am I supposed to do? Well, you just mentioned three of the five movies that are on the best movie category.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'm shocked.
0: Shocked. Yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon, Gojira, Them. Uh, The Mad Magician is the fourth on the ballot for best movie. And and fifth, Gog. Awesome. I was
1: hoping Gog would make the list. I love Gog. Gog is just cool. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, the first time I saw it was really, it was probably on a UHF channel. For those of you that don't know. VHF and UHF channels. The VHF ones were the ones that came in really well. The UHF ones were the ones that you had to fiddle with a little loop antenna, which was a circular thing, and try to get the TV to maybe get it in through the snow most of the time. Um, And I think I saw GOG that way first, and I'm pretty sure it was in black and white when I saw it, and it was actually shot in color in 3D, and now you can see it in color in 3D. Uh, Occasionally, then playing it on Comet, or there's a uh, what I assume is a really good Blu-ray out with the, the 3D print as well as the regular print. So, right. And it continues the OSI, Office of Scientific Investigation series, which started in Magnetic Monster and then went through Riders of the Stars, which was also shot in color, but is now weirdly playing in black and white on Comet TV, and then gone. So kind of a little mini series is not quite the right word, but they're all connected. That's well, yeah, they're all
0: connected. They don't, like, even though Richard Carlson is in the first two, he's different characters. Uh, they, but, but still, I love the idea of the OSI. I've actually read the novelization of *Riders of the Stars*, which was written by Kurt Siodmak. Oh, cool! Very different than the, very different than the film, mm. but still enjoyable. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm just a big fan of that movie. Yeah, so. and I know you like. Uh, one of these days, we should do an OSI trilogy special. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That. Because you know I'm running out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, me too. As it's I look a, at my list of like, like eight or nine different post-it notes of things I want to talk damn, about. Yeah, <laughs> of all
1: the five thousand movies I have in my collection, what should I watch next? I'm running out of running out of movies.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: No, not really. Anyway, Gog is Gog is really cool. It's about uh, uh, an installation that is uh, imperiled by a series of uh, electronic and mechanical mishaps, including two robots. Uh, named Gog and Magog, uh, after the biblical giants and it's it's just cool it's just a cool, straightforward, serious science fiction movie from the fifties. so yep. just expect that there's going to be science in there that maybe has been superseded by better science
0: sure well, that's the thing though, about these movies, though right i mean even even you know my beloved creature. You know, the little mini science lesson at the beginning is kind of like brilliant. Really. So I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. The stuff
1: that's tacked you know. on to the beginning of, of creature to kind of set the stage. The creature, the whole creature part of the movie works as well today as it ever did. Same with same with Gojira, and them. But okay, the occasional scientific explanations are kind of like. Yeah, really, <laughs> really—is that really how the Earth formed? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but
0: we are griping about the science in these movies, in which we have a Gill man or a giant irradiated lizard walking around, right? and that doesn't giant bother ass. us. <laughs> but but the science, man, they sure got that wrong, huh? <laughs>
1: it's kind of you know I, I love the creature. It's one of one of my top oh yeah top of all yeah. time. <laughs> but it does the the fact that it's got kind of this pseudo scientific crap tacked onto the beginning of it that they felt they uh-huh. needed to do that or maybe they wanted to get that a uh, couple of those scenes in 3D because the we did fail to mention this but the creature from the black lagoon is one of the best 3D movies of all time so if you get a chance to see it that way by all means see it that way so maybe they tacked that beginning on so that they could have you know an explosion and and you know footprints in the sand and that kind of stuff but creatures are a great 3d movie and we're in the heyday of the 3d movies now because you know you got the gorilla at large you got gog and you got creature all all made in 3d and all on these lists and there's probably others we've forgotten about mad magician might have been 3d too wasn't I, was. I don't i th- yeah or... yeah i think so, yeah. so yeah hey anyway uh if you're gonna pick one to see in 3d pick the creature
0: Yeah, I'll always, always go with the creature, even for best monster, because the Gillman's right there. Uh, Okay, I can't tell you how to vote, but Gillman is up for Bill Monster. You like that? You know, my segues are great until I point out that they're segues. And then, (laughs) 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 which I do every single time. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the Gill Man is up for best monster alongside so many other incredible monsters from this year. Uh, I actually had to take one off to make sure there's only five. So we have the Gill Man. We have Godzilla himself. Yeah. We have the giant ants from them. We have Gog. And we have the giant squid from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And
1: holy cow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You know, you can yeah, almost break this right? down into into the, the suit monsters and the practical monsters if you want.
0: Right, okay. Which one's the stop motion? Which one's the aquatic? Which one's... yeah? Right, no. yeah. But I it mean, in a sense, so we have, we have two
1: suit monsters, the creature and Godzilla, and then we have yep. three practical monsters being them, the squid, and God. And wow, that's kind <laughs> that of... That
0: squid is amazing. Uh, the, the squid, squid is I think, amazing. Was it Robert Matty that did the squid in that?
1: There was... Someone, someone like that, who is really kind of the cutting edge of, of uh, mechanical practical effects for monsters. The squid is really good, and if you haven't seen, there's a, an extra on the the DVD and probably the Blu-ray too. That's the it's the squid sequence shot not in a storm, but at sun sunset, rather than in this crazy storm. And that's really a cool way to see it too. So, anyway, we've got five monsters. And two of them are literally my favorite monsters, <laughs> being the creature and Godzilla. They're both among the first model kits that I ever had. In fact, I think the creature model kit was actually my dad's that we gave to him because we thought it was cool when I was a little kid. Oh, wow. And and Godzilla was literally probably the first monster kit that I owned myself. So those two were in my house from probably the time I was five or four or six, somewhere around there. I love those two monsters. And, and, and this is horrible because suddenly they're pitted against each other and I have to vote for one of them. And I don't know what I should. Do. <laughs> and I, I won't know until I pull the trigger. So I, yep. I don't blame you guys. if Guys and gals, if you have trouble pulling the trigger for one of them, you know, I'll, I feel for you. I'm right there with you. That's me hitting my heart. I don't know if you can hear that on the microphone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's the ballot. Now, people will be able to vote once I make the ballot available over at monsterkidradio.net. Just head straight over there. And uh, when you fill out the ballot, there are a few things that we need. We need your name and your email address. The only reason I want these is that we can make sure that you're only voting once. You don't want to stuff the ballot here. We, We need to keep this fair. So we're going to ask for your name and your email address. And then if you want, you can also opt into the Monster Kid Radio email list, uh, in which case we will use your email address and name for something. But that's the only thing, I swear. Uh, you do not have to be added to the list if you don't want to. I don't do a lot with the email list right now, so it's not like I'm going to flood your email box with stuff anyway. But if you want to get on that list, that's how you do it. And, and that's the Rally Awards for this year. Now, when I make this available online, I'll also make sure that people know the Sounds deadline. Good. A summer really
1: forest—you'll have to add all the winners to your watch list for sure.
0: Oh, come on! Just add the whole thing. There's so many good movies yeah, here. Yeah, no, really, come
1: seriously. On. Yeah, you can't go <laughs> wrong with any of the uh, any of the nominees. Are going to give you yeah. some, some hours of fun. Some more hours of fun than other ones.
0: There you go. So, where can people find you, Steve, online? It's SDSullivan, Sullivan, right? SD Sullivan dot com. Yep, you can
1: find me at SD Sullivan dot com. There was a, a time fairly recently where that redirect was not going properly to my site for whatever reason these things happen on the internet you can always find me at stephend.sullivan.com. my Patreon is at cushinghorrors.com all matched together of course and uh, I'm on Facebook and uh, in theory on Twitter too though I'm not doing a lot of Twitter lately but I'm easy enough to find search for me and uh, chances are I'll turn up or the hockey player will
0: well, we oh, um, okay. <laughs> there's a hockey player named to Steve to Sullivan, that.
1: too. Uh, you know, I go by Steve <laughs> a lot. And so if you if yeah Google Stephen D. Sullivan, chances are you'll get me every time. If you Google Steve Sullivan, you might get me. You might get the hockey player. It, there's actually a, a football player by the same name, too, on LSU, I think, currently. So there's some chance you'll get some sporty person uh, that uh, I'd probably happily trade lungs with, if not entirely physiques but but uh, if you if you start putting in monster terms and stuff chances are you'll get
0: me just go to stsullivan.com just just go straight there there you go and you've got a link to all of your books everything that you need to know about steve it's right there every time he updates dr cushing's chamber of horrors it's here unless you want to go to cushinghorrors.com you can find it there too yep. uh he's posting his little mini film reviews he's calling them film mini reviews yeah yeah, yeah, and, and I did that the there. a so number of films
1: last year. I should have mentioned that probably when you said, what are you doing? I said, I'm still keeping track of films that I watched.
0: Well, Steve, thanks for doing this. We need to schedule some time uh, later this year to tackle the other Universal Mummy movies. I'd love to have you back on for that. And then who knows what else? Yeah,
1: we were talking about doing uh, Planeta Burr at some point, too.
0: Yes, that's the uh, Russian film. Yeah, the
1: Russian, the Russian space film, which I, I dearly love. There's... Derek, there's so much we could talk about.
0: Okay, I have a link set up at tinyurl.com slash rallies2018. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net as well. So you can just click on through and find your way to the ballot. Once you get to that ballot, you're going to see everybody there, all the actors, actresses, directors, all of that. The deadline for your ballot is July 22nd. So that's just over a month to get in there and make your voice heard and help us decide who's going to win this year's Rally Awards. 1954 is going to be tough, but I'm also eager to see what happens in 1934. Is it going to be Legosi or Karloff or the Black Cat? I, I'm really stoked to see where you guys and gals land. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Head over to tinyurl.com slash rallies2018 and cast your vote. And, of course, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I hope you guys and gals have enjoyed the conversation. I'm eager to get this episode out into the potosphere because, uh, like I said at the top of the show, I'm on my way to Monster Bash, which is the convention for fans of classic monster movies. Happens every year. Actually, it happens two or three times a year now. But the big one happens this time of year in Mars, Pennsylvania. And uh, if you hear this before the Monster Bash and you're going to Monster Bash, well, please look me up. I would love to meet you. I'll be wearing the Monster Kid Radio t-shirt manning the monster to kid radio tables or running around trying to get as much audio as I can for future episodes like next week, because next week I plan on sharing with you a bunch of audio from Monster Bash. Fingers and tentacles crossed that I can get lots of good stuff for you guys and gals. So come on back next week for that. Between now and then, Monster Kid Radio's registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives. 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song that I have come to associate with the rallies here because we use it every year for the rallies. Kashyyyk Beach Party. It is from the album Meanwhile in Mallorca. It is from the band Hatori. Hanzo Surf Experience, which you can find on Bandcamp at Hatori Hanzo Surf Experience or just follow the link in the show notes. You know how it works. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully, I'll run into you at Monster Bash if you're in the area. My name is Sarah Kim Cook. Ciao.